Welcome aboard Living the Dream, the podcast that brings you on a weekly adventure exploring the world of kosher food, travel, lifestyle, and so much more. Each week, get the scoop on what's new and hot in the kosher lifestyle world and hear great stories from industry pros. Turn up the volume. Now, here's your host, Douglas Sockloff. Good afternoon, everybody, wherever you are in the world. Today is uh, another incredible day. I'm living the dream powered by the Douglas Sockloff experience. This is a episode that we are bringing to this podcast. I, I feel almost, even though it's not about wine, I feel it is uh, like a fine wine because we've been talking about doing it. Uh, even before I scheduled um, my, my first guests for the podcast, it was very important to me to have this dynamic young couple on and uh, I'm going to give them my introduction and then I'll bounce it back to them. But again, we are living the dream, which we will certainly get to in this podcast because I have heard one of the guests uh, talk about that they are actually living their dream in what they are doing. So everybody, living the dream powered by the Douglas Sockloff experience. On today's podcast, I have Devorah and David Cats. They are the founders, the creators of Pot de Malach. There is so much to discuss. Um, as I was taking notes, getting prepared for this episode, there's so many things we could go back and forth about uh, growing up with David in, in Cleveland, Ohio, our days at Camp Stone. Uh, Devara, I didn't know you until much later in life. You grew up in Toronto. Um, one thing we definitely did not have in common from the beginning, both of you, was your grassroots of education, um, which is something I totally stayed away from. And uh, anybody who knows me knows me. Education was not my forte at all. Uh, you guys meet up. I know you have deep roots um, to everything that you guys do. Uh, you and your family live in Alone Shvut. And um, that being said, my as I was uh, going through this whole thing, I'm like, I definitely have to get Ruth Jaffe on a episode of, of the podcast, but that's for another time. Um, the Gush, Alone Shvut, Afrat, um, you guys cover an enormous amount of ground. I, I did mention you're the founder of the creators of Pot de Melach. And there's so much history um, in, in, in the short amount of time that you guys started this. So it's like so appropriate that you guys are based in Israel. Uh, the education foundation that you guys had is what really led, I think the last time I spoke to David, or even I spoke to you before, before we started talking to the podcast, David was running around, uh, I know, United States, maybe other countries, and he took his education uh, talents and he was doing workshops in, in schools. And I think when my kids were young, I think he was pressing olive oil at yeah. Yavna Academy in New Jersey as um, uh, uh, to teach the kids a uh, hand exp- uh, hands expand on experience. So I think it's important for everybody to understand all these things. Um, and I'm, I'm going to bounce it back to you in one second, but um, there's so much I want to talk about of, of how you got into Papa Malach. I know the name Papa Malach even comes from Perke Avot. Um, what you guys are doing, you're living, you're living the dream. You take all these uh, philosophies that you guys have, you bundled up uh, I know you haven't touched dough, but I think David is the, the, the dough person. And you guys have so much going on. It's so exciting. And there's a lot to talk about. Uh, handcrafted, artisanal, our hashtags, our power words in your industry. And I couldn't think of better, um, to ha- a better couple to have you guys on 
to talk about all these things. And uh, I'm going to let you guys just uh, jump right in. Doug, this is better than therapy. You made us feel great. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That was awesome. Um, <laughs> I think we're done. You've covered it. You've, <laughs> Thank you, everybody. Uh, Have a good day. <laughs> Come visit Israel and stop popping. Well, you know, before you even, I'm, I'm going to bounce it back because, you know, when I had Dougie's barbecue, there was, even until this day, there's a story, a myth. Um, and I don't think it ever happened, but I was with somebody over the weekend that basically told me during Corona, he needed to have a little escape from yeshiva. And somehow there was an underground operation by Papa Melech to sneak him out of the old city in a bread truck. <laughs> that story I is... I cannot confirm or deny. Uh, this happened, yes. This okay, happened. We, don't, we don't have to go into more specifics, but I'm sure there were a lot of logistics and operations uh, involved and uh, getting it from, from the butcher and the baker. Uh, that is actually a true story. And I guess if uh, anybody ever needs some very, you guys aren't a front. You're not like uh, Fauda or anything like that. You're not a front. Uh, you guys actually run a incredible, incredible operation. And let's just jump right into it. How it started, where we are today. I want to cover, um, it, you know, it's funny. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was uh, going through Instagram and I saw an incredible workshop. Somebody who was so happy, a uh, Flatbush girl. Uh, I think she was one of the first people once the country uh, reopened. She and her family were able to come and celebrate their bar mitzvah. Papa Meloth was an important stop and she was just couldn't stop talking. So I'm going to let you guys go over all the things you have going on in, um, in Papa Meloth and um, just share it with everybody because I think it's so exciting. And you have just great things going on. Okay. Um, <clears throat> this is my version of how things started. <clears throat> um, yes, I was a, a, a rab, a rabbi, a teacher here in Israel in the high school system. <clears throat> and um, I always really enjoyed doing hands-on learning projects. I felt that for me, it was the most inspirational kind of uh, engaging with uh, <clears throat> the Jewish bookshelf, uh, you know, through your hands and hand to mind kind of thing. Um, and eventually I started kind of like <clears throat> doing all these hands-on projects and meeting and, and through these hands-on projects, I met a lot of very interesting people. And put all of that stuff in our backyard. So like right. for every interesting yes. project, there was the leftovers. So like when your kids did olive oil pressing in Yavne, so like we had like an olive press in our backyard for for years. I remember years ago, or maybe even this still exists, uh, at one point, uh, David, you did build an oven for matzah. Is that correct? Right. No, so, the oven, you didn't, you built no, a we, we had oven. A, yeah, we built a red oven. But there, there was, you know, this started with, meaning it kind of, it, it ended up traveling around the, the Jewish year, right? It was like baking matzot for Pesach. It was olive oil around Hanukkah, honey around, um, you know, Rosh Hashanah. And then, and, and, you know, and, and things, things were happening throughout the year. And the way I enjoyed um, learning was really jumping into the field, getting in the car, meeting these guys, whether it's the olive oil place in Shiloh in the middle of the night, or it's the matzah factories in Mesharim that I need to push my way into. And By the way, speaking about, speaking about matzah, I'm just going to... One of the very popular matzahs here in, in the States is the Haredim uh, Shmor Matzah, which normally goes for about, I think, $45, $50 a pound. Could you guess what it's going for this year? A pound. Not it's a kilo, so a pound. Here. Give it to us. They're probably 60, $62 a pound. Wow. 
Yeah. I guess we'll go straight from this conversation to the airport and set up a fast um, matzo yeah, bakery. Yeah, artisan matzo. <laughs> okay, so you're taking you take those experiences. Really, the, all of it really did start with matzo baking, where mm-hmm. David um, obviously met a guy, which is the theme of your life. You that know? is the theme, yes. Met a guy who does a thing. Like that's David, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, Bruce or Jim from up in Sugar Grove, Pennsylvania, right? Yeah, they weren't good in matzos so much. <laughs> but, then, but, but I do know you do give a credit, as, as I do, to some of your foundational skills, obviously, from, from our days at camp together. There's no I question think, about I think that. The three of us can, um, can, you know, look back and say, hey, the stuff that we did in uh, camp when we were younger um, was definitely a great, you know, a springboard and stepping stone to what we're involved with now, you know. You know Absolutely. It's, it's something that stuck with us to the extent that we were sitting in meetings today and a woman walked in who I was her counselor at Camp Stone when she was 14. Um, and here she is now with her daughter in Israel for the year. Like Camp Stone, that narrative is woven through most of what we do, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's very true. Um, um, camp. Um... But, but I think if we, if we would rewind our days at Camp Stone, and I'm sure that's even uh, to the extent today, way before the word incubator, perhaps, um, that would be a very good, I think, word to describe how we went to camp, much different than a lot of other people. But it was a great incubator and gave us an incredible foundation uh, for us to go with you guys to be doing what you're doing to me over the years. I've always given a great shout out to, to my years at Camp Stone um, for gaining and giving so many skills and exposing, giving me exposure to so many things I never would have had the Absolutely. ability to do so uh, maybe i'll get a campstone t-shirt or something out of that little you, uh, i mean you pitch. definitely deserve it <laughs> you've done them proud um the truth is that david started with matzah he one of the stores that we would frequent in yerushalayim in um in rahavia which is a little bit of a more american haredi neighborhood there was a shopkeeper there who i don't even know how you found out made matzahs with his family and David I, really loved that idea, this idea of the family comes together and everybody bakes together. And he came, he, you went a couple of times and um, came back with this idea of like, why don't we try it? And our kids were little at the time. And I really thought, I've told this story so many times, but I really thought there was something so romantic about your kids getting together as a family and making matzahs. And so we go out and buy the matzah oven and David sources flour and he's, you know, ready to go. And we say to the kids, we're baking matzah. And they're like, we're going to bed. And we're like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, and that was really the glory, the glory of it all. But over time, I meaning our friends come, we're, we live at Alone Food, which is um, a wonderful, nerdy rabbi community, uh, which we love, but meaning that's like the ticker tape parade of rabbis, like come bake your own matzah. Um, and also, meaning usually it's in the Haredi domain that matzah is being made. So all of a sudden you have this outlier, this like, Camp Stone, modern Orthodox guy who's baking matzah, and um, not only did you do it here, but you started going around. Then we, then we started. Then the roadshow started. Then we started taking different shuls and schools and in this country, State, and here in the United States, and it became like um, I was like, "What? This is this is fun." Yeah, this is nice. I like I like this. This is this is so that nice so that's the foundation with that's like the springboard, and then where does the conversation start? Where, uh, hey, Devara. Hey David, let's let's have this crazy idea because anybody, honestly, it's called spade to spade. Okay, I know the conversations early on I had in my career 
about, oh, I was going to go open a restaurant. I was going to let people are like, are you crazy? It's the worst business. It, every, you know, eight out of 10 restaurants close within the first year. This is a problem. That's a problem. You take all this stuff and then you say, okay, we're going to open a bakery. We're going to open. Um, so not only on, you know, a bakery is, is something that is constantly going other than Shabbat and, 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 and Yantif. It's, uh, you know, if, if you're not open to the public, then you're, then you're baking. And if you're not baking, you're worrying about logistics and delivery. And we're going to get into that in a short time of, of your delivery and, 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 and the country and wholesale and all the good things. But let's go and say, where did that light bulb moment go off and say, let's open a bakery? How did that take so place? There, uh, so there, uh, I, there are two, two moments I, I remember. <clears throat> One was, um, you know, our, uh, when in our, we went to high school together, Doug. Uh, Rabbi Baran was in Israel. <clears throat> And uh, I went to him to visit him for Pes- before Pesach. And I said, you know, Rebbe, come bake matzahs with us. He's like, no. I was like, what? It's not kosher enough for you? I was like, this is where I'm telling you, we, where we got it right. <clears throat> and he said, listen, I'll tell you a story. My son, who's like this Rosh Hashiva and like Meir Sharim, he also bakes matzah. <clears throat> I wouldn't touch his matzahs on Pesach. <laughs> I, I was like, why not? Rebbe, come on. Like, well, why not? He's like, what, is he a baker? And... <laughs> And at that moment, I was like, you know what? You know, I, he's right. If you want to understand how to do this, you got to understand the dough and understand these things. And, and slowly that kind of sparked something in me. And I, again, that was one piece. And the second piece was, um, okay, you're the most popular guy a week before Pesach. You're the most popular guy for the week of Hanukkah. You're the most popular guy for the week before Rosh Hashanah. But like, what about the rest of the year? Like, if I really want to stop at school and do... So like, so bread is actually something that, like you said, every day. So uh, then I met this um, baker guy who uh, who we have become deep uh, friends and um, <clears throat> very close. And, and we're going to refer to him as baker guy. You meet baker guy. We're going to okay. call him Anomorel Ogin. That's yes. his name. <laughs> Okay, and Nomorel Ogin, and his nationality is Israeli. Hardcore, born and born and raised Israeli. Hard, Ex- hardcore, except that yeah. he's an autodidact. So when you speak to him, his English is fluent, and every once in a while, you'll like trip him up on an idiom and be like, "Oh, you just like no accent." That's he's fine. brilliant. He knows meaning everything about everything. Like his passion in life isn't bread. His passion is just passion. So he loves bread and he's had a number of bakeries also. And he came into the picture to try and train. I was like, okay, I'm going to learn, uh, I'm going to learn bread. I learn matzah, I learn right. oil. We'll do bread. We'll do, that'll be a thing. So the bread guy, so honestly, the bread guy, it, it seems like this artisanal, you know, absolutely living off the land of Israel. It sounds like very organic granola type of guy. Am I picturing it right? Yes, You're, but before no, before any no. of those words <laughs> before any of those words became part of you know the dictionary, he was that. Meaning, he's a he's a very hardcore guy. Um, he's and he actually happens to be, um, I believe, one of the. Um, I know this isn't a contest or anything. Um, one of the top uh, top bread bakers in possibly the world. Okay, um, so now he's top bread guy, right? That's a top bread guy. Okay. Meaning he's- He's top bread guy, and he's sort of taken a liking to Dave. Because okay, I can imagine that most people who are like, oh, let me learn bread. So you have two or three classes, and then you just get on with your life. But David right. seems and, to I, be- and, and I think also, and I'm, sorry, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, 
is that, and I think at the same time as this is going on, the whole, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The, the whole path of people starting to get into artisanal bread at home, sourdough baking became, is becoming a big thing. Multi-grain braids are becoming a big thing and people are trying to make these things at home and you are developing this concept. So we were, we were accidentally before the trend started, meaning we are zero trendy people, like just not who we are. And so accidentally we tripped into it about three years before the trend started. And in fact, when we opened our first bakery on Roast Serene, like the people of Roast Serene were like, what the heck are you doing? I guess, meaning our parents thought we were nuts. Our friends thought we were nuts. Exactly what we just said before. You know, everyone just thinks you're nuts, especially to go about doing this in Israel. Um, I don't know if you know Ziva Glantz. Um, Ziva Glantz, who I had the honor of on uh, interviewing her two weeks ago for the podcast, her whole entire business is actually helping people get their businesses opened in Israel. Like going wow. through all the red tape and navigating. And, and you probably could have used that a few years ago. Um, we were delightfully um, and wonderfully ignorant. Meaning, I think one of the things that we have going for us is um, we have a very, very strong work ethic. And David is really quite talented in making bread. Um, But I don't think we understood anything. Uh, But happily, along the way, there have been people who are like, we're going to show you. Like, we've made one million mistakes. But we've also had a million people who are like, let me walk you through this to like business coaches and like major companies in Tel Aviv who are like, we're just going to drive out and talk to you because we want you to understand this point. And we're like, okay. Um, and so we've had a lot of that along the way. No, we've, we've, we've met the best people. Yeah. And I think that that, you know, this, uh, uh, really the, the greatest pastry chefs, you know, great bakers, a great community. there, good, great business people. Um, um, it's, uh, there've been some real gems of people that we have come that we've brought into our collective and it's a, it's just a, a real blessing, a real bracha. Meaning, but you're right, Doug. David started off by building this bread oven, this wood burning bread oven in our backyard. And um, while he was still teaching. Yeah. So Thursday nights, he'd stay awake all night baking bread. And then Friday morning, he would wheel this bread cart. I remember, um, I, was- I, I mean, and this was how long? I mean, this wasn't so long ago. I mean, 2014. Oh, really? When, is, when, is, is when you started. And then, and then from 2014, when did the first... Papa Melech opened. So then, then uh, you know, we did that for about um, for about a, about a year, I think. What year did we open? Twenty fifteen. Oh. And then, as um, and then at some point, um, Devar is like, okay, time to <laughs> move on. There, there are two ways of understanding this story: either a time to like let's do, you know, move, let's grow our dream, let's let's grow it, or like I want lawn furniture. I felt like right. my backyard was a receptacle of David's like, oh, I do this and I do a little that and I do a little this. I'm like, take it all. We're going to just put a shingle out and we're going to get going. Right. Okay. So this is like 2015 where you make this decision. Let's, yep. let's, let's raise the heat up in the oven, say, and let's turn the, let, let's at least try to turn this into something, not just a backyard sale, which is what yep. it was at the time. It was passion, but it was a backyard sale. Okay. So, so then we, then yeah, then we get into, um, okay, where are we going to move this? So there's this guy and that guy, talk to this guy. And then like, it goes back to, you know, the B'nai Kiva guys that started the kibbutz down the road, you know? And I'm like, hey, you know, Alan, Morty, I got this thing. What are we going to do with it? 
and more, you know, he's like, I, well, I got an idea. I got, we got an old building on the kibbutz that has a chimney. You want it? And we're like, and we did it, you yeah. know? And then um, we moved the oven there and then we... Uh, you know, we got it the place. Yes, we, yes, there was a, yes. We yes. got it the and, and I think the one thing, the one thing that um, along, along this ride is the feedback on your product was always spectacular. It wasn't like people are just saying, hey, wow, this is like nice people go open a bakery. You, you had encouragement from people that you would, that would come and buy your bread or you would walk around with your wagon, right? And go sell bread. And you kept getting encouraged more by your customers and your friends. And they pushed you more and more uh, because the product was great. And when you, when you talk about like living your dream, so initially the way that we had branded everything that we were doing was like, everybody has a dream, but not everybody gets to fulfill their dream or crazy enough to do it. And we sort of branded it with this idea of like, everybody knows a David Katz in their life, meaning Everybody, like Dave was like, everybody's Madrich in B'nai Akiva or their Madrich in Gush or their college roommate. Like everybody is sort of rooting for this to be successful because everybody in the back of their mind has something that they've wanted to do. So very early on, people who we didn't know would just like encourage us. Like it was almost like you really felt like you were being cheered on. And that really, really pushed us forward. Look, I, you know, it's... <clears throat> You know, I, I think in the past few months, we've, uh, you know, like you started saying before, um, you know, the community that was, that developed around this bakery, both walk-in and virtual. That's yeah. where I'm going, by the way, that's where, exactly where I'm going with this. So please. Okay. <laughs> well, um, I think, I think that, um, you know, there's the community, there's the small, the, the small community of like our staff, which is like a beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, and then there's a community of people that walk in and like, and you know what, sometimes it's not good. Sometimes the bread isn't good. And yeah. Like, yeah. yeah I don't, and people aren't shy. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, yeah. they'll be like, oh, you burnt this or you left out salt, which is fine. But really the vast majority, like people have written us letters and mailed them to us and are like, we just want you to have this letter so you can open it when you're having a rough day. The day that we had to close for Corona, that we had to close the shop, like one of our regular customers, this lovely old gentleman, like he brought me flowers. Like people really feel for us. They care about our kids. They, I mean, meaning you really feel very, very embraced by. You guys, you, you, you guys talk often when, whenever I've seen any coverage on you guys uh, that you, again, you're connecting the past history, right. Of, of education and, and history to the sense of the atmosphere of what you guys create, that the bakery has always been about community. And that community, um, and I hear David talk about this often, you know, because of bread, people would always go out to get bread. It became the place to hang out. And and you touched upon something else. Not only is it a community for your uh, customers to come to, anybody who watches uh, your very active social media, uh, you are very active on social media, and you see that sense of uh, community uh, being given always not only to your customers, but to your staff as well. So I think you, within your community, you have these neighborhoods. You have your communities of your customers who come in. You have the communities of tourists who, God willing, will start coming back. You know, and I'm sure, and I'm sure they are. And then you have the community of, of your, your staff that you're always 
cheerleading. You are the cheerleader. You are encouraging. I've seen uh, the low points, and that's just of what you show on social media and not what people really see behind um, behind the scenes. And there are some incredible low moments, and there's great high moments of, you know, people don't realize, like, David, what you talked about before, obviously, you have this business, and, and you started it with the experience and with the Rosh Hashanah and Hanukkah and Sukkot and all these other things. But you also now with a bakery and with customers coming in and delivering, that is the core of your business. Yes, thank God you have people coming through on a regular basis. But when you get to the Yuntif component of this, it's probably like, wow. You know, it's probably like, everyone, kick it up, rise up, add some extra wood into those ovens. We have to push out. And you are covering so much ground. And that reminds me of um, one of the things that we did um, when it was right in the middle of uh, Corona. And I called you and I'm like, hey, I want to send a gift to my niece and nephew who just got, uh, who just got married and let's run it for 12 weeks that every 12 weeks you are going to send them a package, a basket, whatever, whatever. And I know that that was like a, I mean, it worked like clockwork from the minute we, we set it up. And that was, I mean, you guys are located in the gush and they are in Bay Chemish. So just knowing that that thing worked like clockwork and it was like, one phone call, done. And then I'm sure along the way, there are many, many other stops, uh, restaurants, hotels, private people that, that these are going to. So it's not only the sense of community that you're bringing within the four walls of your cafe. It's everything else that you have going on and how incredible people really enjoy. And the name that you guys have created, not only amongst yourselves in Israel, but across the globe that people know that when you are coming to Israel, Pat Melech is on the stop of the tourist sites to come and visit and either have a lunch, have a coffee, make bread, do one of the experiences. So how does that feel to go back to the day, David, when you were in your backyard and <laughs> Devo was like, hey, it's either lawn furniture or we're going to go find some kibbutz that's going to give us, you know, a shack that we need to gut, but there's a chimney we're going to go there. And today, Patbamelech is a global name. And obviously, just an incredible reputation that was started and founded by the two of you. So I want to say a few things. The first thing that I want to say is the adorable um, PS to the story of sending um, weekly to Abby and Morty is that last week she had a baby. Who just had a baby boy, you know. Who just yes. had a baby boy. But not only that, because she had the baby and then texted me mm-hmm. and said, will you do our bris? Um, which was so wonderful. I mean, we didn't. I had COVID. I, we missed that occasion. <laughs> but meaning just even like putting it out there, that to me is so wonderful that um, that we're in people's minds in that way. And I think also it's synonymous, and we found this through Corona, which is that food in the right way is nurturing and it's caring. Um, and so we see it all the time where, you know, God forbid somebody is sick or people are, you know, just need a little bit of a pick me up and we'll watch the orders flood in from around the world. Oh, my aunt is having surgery. We want to send her dinner. My, what, you know, it's a way that people who 
aren't here can sort of be part of what's going on. So that's something that we're very grateful yeah. for. Yeah, I mean, I mean, never, never saw it coming. No, no, no. <laughs> never saw it coming. It kind of, uh, <clears throat> um, but it, uh, it, like, you know, it goes back to meeting these wonderful people. Yeah. You know, and just like these wonderful, you know, humble and wonderful people, which has been um, a beautiful part of this whole thing. Uh, the stories we collect, you know, the the two kids that met each other at a workshop, they came back to get engaged, you know, like, it was like, I mean, all these, there's like, a, there's some wonderful, wonderful stories. And it's, a, it's really a blessing. And we really, that's what motivates us to keep going on with it, you know? Yeah, I think keep... running a business like this during Corona was something that we needed to hustle and pivot all the time. Um, which was like, you're changing up, you're closing your restaurant, but you don't want to lay off most of your staff. How many people can we keep? What would it look like if we threw up a website and started delivering around the country? How would that, meaning, so there was this constant motion of the past two years, which was in part exhilarating and in part exhausting and very, very overwhelming. But beyond all of that, it was so gratifying that however we managed to cobble it together, we, we made it through till till today yeah and today currently explain where the locations are right if somebody wants to um god willing more and more people are really starting to travel back to israel a lot of people are very excited especially um with pesach coming up it'll be the first time in a very long time that a lot of people will be uh, making their way back and those people will be there before summer looks like it's going to be really, really ramped up with all the programs and tourists. How do people get in touch with you? How do people schedule uh, an experience? How do people learn more information about that? Okay. I guess this is, you know, when we started the bakery, the deal was that um, I never touched a dough and David was always in charge of the back of the house and I was in charge of the front of the house. So um, the answer is um, we have a website, patvamelech.com. There, there's actually a community calendar. You can check out what's going on. So like this month, for example, which is a quieter month because of um, COVID, but like we had a pickling workshop one day, which was unbelievable. It was really successful. Our chef, uh, Dikla Magal, who hates being on camera and hates being front and center and all that we've done. And I think you're right about this. Our staff is so essential to who we are. Yes. That's apparent all the time. In most conversations, like you want to just push them forward. Like what's the next thing that you're going to do? How do you grow in this position? What will fulfill you in this position? So Dikla has run a couple of workshops that have been fabulous, some with David and some on her own. Um, so our website shows them what we're up to. I assume in the summer, please God, they'll be rolling open workshops for people to join. Um, that's really how you find us. We're on Instagram. We, I don't know. There's a lot. There's a lot happening. It's a it's a content very content friendly um, space. So um, we we love using that. Great. And and let me ask you another question. I don't know if this is um, to David or Devar, so I'll throw it out. Is when you want to answer it. If somebody wanted to buy some holy Patbamelech starter, starter is very popular in today's day and age, and have it sent as a gift, is that possible? <laughs> and I, 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 I was going to jump in and just tell the listeners when, when, when we record the shows, we're actually on uh, video, which we don't produce, but it just makes it easier for uh, the dialogue. So that question actually got the two of you. I saw 
There was like mm-hmm. a little uh, twinkle in the eye, almost a ping pong of who's answering that. So I think I may have stepped on something. Um, so as almost like a good journalist, that- per se. <laughs> um, the answer is that um, we don't sell our starter. We give it away. So we always feel like you want to encourage home bakers, you want to encourage people of passion. So anybody that walks into the store that wants starter, we happily give it to them. We're very popular right after Pesach because most people have sold their starters um, and we give it away for free. I don't think we've ever considered bottling it and sending it in the mail. No. But how would it travel, David? David, how would it travel? Badly. <laughs> it wouldn't be starter when it wouldn't be starter when it showed up, huh? As, as long as it, it would actually dehydrate it, maybe. It, well, it can be dehydrated, and that's a whole. You know, that's fine. Um, but you know, um, as long as it's under two hundred grams, you can pick it out of plane. <laughs> that might have made a new business model. Just you know, send it to me. It's totally starter. Uh, most popular product. Is that geared by what time of the year it is? Do you have a consistent number one Papa Melch product? This is a great fight to have. And I'm sad that Mayer, our pastry chef, <laughs> and Dikla, our restaurant chef, aren't here because everybody fights for dominance. So we love this question. Who sold more? What went? Um, I would say, this is what I would say. I would say in each of those categories, I'll give one winner. Um, spelt sticks are very popular and garlic knots are very popular in the bakery. The spelt sticks related to the spelt crackers. Oh, the crackers is like a whole beast. Meaning, I know, the- I know. So, yeah, I didn't even think about the crackers. Meaning the crackers now are produced up north. There's another factory uh, we took the operation, we moved it north and God bless a woman named Yael who runs the factory up there and she is just making tons and tons of crackers. But within our, meaning spelt is well, That's a whole nother, like you said before, that's a whole nother uh, community in the neighborhood. You know, that's a whole nother neighborhood and like whatever, you know. It's true. You like, know. yes, because people like, people will find our crackers all around the country and they'll pictures and they'll send it to us. So they'll, they'll be like, we're leaving the country and your crackers are in duty free or we're in a lot right. and just found your right. crackers. So there's this great community pride in the crackers. And even when our son went into the army about a year ago, and it was right at that time that our crackers went into the army canteen stores. And we were like, oh, we're so happy. And not that I think that kid has ever bought a cracker in his life. but um, uh, As long as they're not calling him cracker in the army, you're okay, right? Well, yeah, he's doing all right. <laughs> and and I, just, I just, again, want to add... Um, and this is something that's just phenomenal. I don't know if people are, are grasping this as we're having this chat. You guys go, backyard, I want furniture, keyboards, store, community, products, passion, artisanal, handcrafted, okay? And I, I, I don't want, and, and I said this global reputation that you guys have today. And now we're talking about a factory up north, you're talking about your crackers being carried in the army canteen or in duty free. So people shouldn't think, you know, I got this great young couple on. I mean, what you guys have accomplished in really a short amount of time in a very, very, I, I don't care to say that you guys had nice people helping you out. That's great. That's touching. It, it fills my heart up with love, but I know the obstacles, the hurdles, the amount of 
money that was spent on making mistakes and correcting those mistakes to be able to get to the point where you guys are today, where we could get on at seven o'clock, have a 35 minute uh, conversation, which I very much appreciate after other things that were going on, pivoting from, 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 um, from the pandemic. And it's really just in, in incredible um, knowing that you guys have a wholesale division, a retail division, a cafe where people can actually just come stop in, correct? Um, yeah. Have, 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 have something to eat. The workshops, the wholesale. Talk to me a little bit about, um, do you guys ever see, years ago, there was somebody who did a culinary school in Yerushalayim. And would that ever be something of, of interest? Um, maybe not on a permanent basis. Let's use the term uh, pop-up. Maybe people will be able to come in for two weeks, do some form of, form of uh, culinary training in Israel. I know there's always a very um, big interest in that. Again, we're getting that ping pong twinkle <laughs> back and forth um, and, and be able to have a longer experience than just a workshop uh, of uh, three hours or four hours per se. Um, look, I mean, we, had, we have the word that we, we have the workshops <clears throat> Um, it takes two years to train a professional baker. You don't want them around for two years. That's for sure. I think that, well, there are two stories that I would say. One is a story of a woman who came to us. <laughs> we had, at some point when we were in, when we were in Rosh Tzurim, now we're in Efrat, but when we were in Rosh Tzurim, um, we would do this workshop option that we don't do now, which is called work the bench. And it was for people who were really diehard enthusiasts. And we're like, come, put on a nice apron, talk to David, get time and attention. We start at 6 a.m. We start at 6 a.m. <laughs> I was in visiting from Muncie and she said, um, yeah, I'm coming. Yep, I'm booking it. Three hours. It's from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. So, okay, fine. Meaning I'm not showing up at 6 a.m. David's there anyway, baking. And she does from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. And then she stays and stays and stayed now her husband is this very very patient man because he's just hanging out there doing daf yomi maybe he drank a cup of coffee i don't even know and she was there for six or seven hours and dave's like okay and she went back and she is so successful she has um i have to find her right now um she went back and she was always into sourdough and she just continued and um, and she gives us credit a lot, which is real nice. But um, she has a very, very successful business in Muncie right now. I believe her name is Ahuva. Mm-hmm. Ahuva yes. from Homegrown Kosher. Yeah. Um, she, and meaning it was unbelievable. That's story number one. Yeah. Story number two that I don't think you're going to really. Now, would, you, would, would you say Ahuva learned? I mean, from the sound of things, it sounds like her three, four plus hours with David is what inspired her to come back. And... No, she was amazing to begin with, and she right. was on her journey to begin with. And so I think sometimes people who are on journeys just, and I'm meaning I'm not on that journey in the same way. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like artisans are really special, authentic, deeply rooted, passionate people in ways that I'm not. She was already on this journey. And I think she just wanted to ask a million questions and talk to someone on a journey also, mm-hmm. meaning I she she is successful not because of us. She was successful to begin with, but we loved watching that journey. Uh, the second thing when I think about like would we do like long term culinary is pre COVID. I want to say 
Uh, meaning, Doug, you're gonna you'll appreciate David's love for all things Amish because you know you grew up in the world of Camp Stone where yes. Amish people yeah. were so um, prevalent. Yeah. So Dave, also who always knows a guy who does a thing, um, became yeah. friends with the Amish people in um, Sugar Creek, Ohio. Amish and Mennonites. Mm-hmm. So as Mennonites. long as as long as you just did not say that David became friends with the Amish people in a fraud, okay? Because I don't think that exists. Amish well, people. In I mean, but that is what we wanted to do. We wanted to do a work mm-hmm. study program with Mennonites and Amish people right. living in Sugar Creek, mm-hmm. where they would come for two months. They would staff the bakery, learn how to make bread, and then on weekends would like tour the country. I thought that it was a genius plan. It did not. It did not happen. But right. we put it on our to-do list. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And, and, and I think I think just to wrap things up here, um, I think there's obviously your foundation over the past many years is just. Um, I mean, the proof the poof is in the pudding. Um, your accomplishments, your dedication, your commitment to your company, and being able to be able to do this, like we said from the beginning, living the dream. Um, who who would have ever thought when you guys moved to Israel that this is where you would be today, but to be able to have the honor to be able to do this in um, in Israel, where is where your both your passions started uh, having the love for Israel very, very early on and be able to be working the land uh, per se is has to be incredible. And I'm sure just really even more expressed through the artisanal handcrafted products, David, that you work on every single day and Devara in the atmosphere that you create in the front of the house, um, in the community, as we talked about of, of your customers, of your staff and anybody who walks through and experiences uh, pot bemela firsthand. I have no doubt that this is really just um, a huge stepping stone for you guys of just incredible things that are going on in the future. And I truly, truly thank you guys uh, for your time and wish you an incredible, if anybody wants matzah, how do do they get matzah? Um, That's a great question that we don't have an answer to. Okay. Follow the Instagram, Papamelaf, correct? Yeah. Uh, for yeah, updates for secret for secret lots of possibilities <laughs> and listen you know i'm always i'm always into finding unique locations and experiences so chances are maybe after this and and you know we, we go viral on the podcast you know someone's going to reach out and says hey i have a great cave right um in midstay wherever and you guys can use it as your matzah cave and your matzah oven <laughs> that's artisanal guys thank you thank you so, so much Thank you so much. This was so much fun. We could have kept going for hours. Send regards to everybody. You've just listened to another amazing episode of Living the Dream, powered by the Douglas Sockloff Experience. If you like this episode, don't forget to subscribe to get notified when a new episode is live. You can also follow us on social media or visit our website, douglasexp.com. If you'd like to book an experience with us, you can call us at 917-541-1033. Until next week.